God is speaking very clearly to us during these distressing times. He, in fact, speaks clearly to us no matter the situations of unfairness that we face. Coming up, more of God's prescription when life isn't fair. Next, on Daily in Christ. Welcome once again to the Daily in Christ podcast. I'm Mark Fanus. Well, you don't have to go very far these days to hear a lot of very bad, discouraging news. In fact, news that might have you tempted to think, God, where are you? Why does it seem that the wicked, the unrighteous, are getting away with murder? They're getting away with unrighteousness. But God is seeing what's going on. He is eternal God. He is the judge of all. He is the judge that is high above here in the United States. Our highest court is the United States Supreme Court. He is above that court. He is above every high court throughout the earth. He is the one to whom kings and presidents and leaders ultimately will bow. And it's in that place of God's powerful sovereignty that we find shelter during the time of unfairness, of even being vexed and even tempted to be very angry when we see the wicked, the unrighteous getting away with evil. And so last week I started this brand new series called God's Prescription When Life Isn't Fair, and it's based on two psalms in the Bible. The prescription is what I call the 3773 prescription, Psalm 37 and Psalm 73. And last time we talked about this, we just started to get into uh, Psalm 37, and at the very beginning, and this is sort of a signature verse for the entire Psalm 37, it says this, do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. And we found that that Hebrew word for being vexed means to burn, to be kindled, to glow to grow warm. Figuratively, it means to get angry or become vexed, to fret. That Hebrew word is from the word that means to eat or consume. So fretting literally is something eating at you. It could be worry. It could be frustration. It could even be anger. And really in Psalm 37, the do not fret is aimed at when we see the unrighteous getting away with their wickedness. But God intervenes. And he says in these verses, and I really highly recommend that you read Psalm 37 and then Psalm 73. I mean, if you're distressed over what's going on in our current situation and day right now, uh, then you need to be in Psalm 37, at the very least in Psalm 73. Bathe your mind in its truth because God is speaking so clearly and so directly. He lets us know the bigger picture. It may seem right in this time frame of our current day that the wicked are getting away with their wickedness. But God is saying, oh, no, 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 no. There is coming a day and they will be, verse 2 says, cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. But this psalm also has a word for us. First of all, there's the negative word, do not fret when you see the wicked getting away with what they do. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. But the psalm also has some positive things, like in verse 3 where it says to trust in the Lord and do good, dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Well, I don't want to repeat all that. That's just a quick uh, overview of where we were the last time as we're walking through Psalm 37. If you missed that first podcast episode, please be sure to download it and listen to it. 
You don't want to miss anything. Well, as I begin today, and we're continuing to move through Psalm 37, God's prescription for us when life isn't fair, I want to share with you something personal that happened to me just a few weeks ago. I was dealing with sickness, and I believe that I actually had COVID. I had flu-like symptoms, uh, even though I had a flu shot the month before, and it was very unusual. I don't want to get into it, but anyway, by the grace of God, after five days, it turned around and I'm fine. But when I was in the height of that, I was tossing and turning, and then I was thinking about things that were going on in our current day, and it just seemed like the unrighteous, the wicked, were getting away with things. And I was so frustrated because I I considered what that might mean for our future. You know, it's not good when wicked people get away with their wickedness. And right as I was in that fevered pitch of panic, and it was fevered, literally, and I was in a panic, I heard something very distinctive. I heard God laugh. That's right. I heard God laugh. Now, it wasn't audible, but I could hear his laugh in my spirit. And I actually said to the Lord, God, I just heard you laugh. Yes, I did. I plainly heard you laugh. Now, let me tell you what this laugh was like. It was not sort of like a ticklish giggle or a guffaw at a good joke or a, you know, LOL, laughing out loud kind of laughter. Oh, no, no, no. This laugh from God was distinctly a laugh of derision. The laugh of someone who was mocking. He wasn't mocking me. It was a kind of laugh that says, that's all you got? Ha! That kind of laugh. And like I said, it wasn't aimed at me. And at the exact same instant I heard that laugh from God, there were words from the Bible that came to mind, and I looked them up in Scripture passages. And let me share you this from the Word of God, when God laughs at the wicked. The first is in the first psalm of this prescription, Psalm 37, verses 12 and 13, and here's what it says. The wicked plots against the just and gnashes his teeth at him. The Lord laughs at him, for he sees that his day is coming. Do you see it? The reason why God is laughing is because the wicked think they're getting away with all of their evil plots. They're gnashing their teeth at the righteous, and it seems like they're getting away with it. And God just says, ha, 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 laughs at him, for he knows that his day is coming. And as I said, all of Psalm 37 is powerful to meditate when you're dealing with unfair situations where wicked people seem to be getting away with murder. The other psalm of God laughing is found in Psalm 2, beginning in verse 2. It says, The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. In other words, the wicked are just throwing off all restraint and giddy and having a good old time doing their wickedness. And it seems like, where's God? But look at verse four. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Let me say verse four again. Psalm two, verse four. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. Now, you realize that idea of sitting in the heavens means that his throne is the highest throne of all. And he laughs. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Listen to this in Psalm 59, verse 8. But you, O Lord, shall laugh at them. You shall have all the the nations in derision. Psalm 59, verse 8. You know, we can get so torn up by the apparent triumph of the wicked. And yes, for a brief space in time, it may seem like they're getting away with it. But they are not. God is king, and he is king of kings alone. He shall not be moved, 
nor removed from his rightful highest holy throne. The greatest emperor, king, or president on earth is nothing compared to the matchless king of kings and lord of lords. Listen to this in Isaiah 40, verse 22. It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. (laughs) They're so small, they're like bugs. Nothing compared to the greatness of the Lord. Now let's get back to Psalm 37. And by the way, that's something that I wrote a few weeks ago called, I Heard God Laugh. And that's his assessment of the wicked. They think they're getting away with it. What a joke. Their day is coming. And that theme comes up both in Psalm 37 and also in Psalm 73. Let's look at those first three verses that we had last week to set things up in Psalm 37. It says this, God is speaking to you, friend. He's speaking to me. And he says this, do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. And now for today, we begin in verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Now listen, I'm running a little bit ahead of myself, but there are two times there in those last couple of verses where it talks about waiting on God. So often, when we are in a situation of distress of one or another, we are very tempted to run ahead of God and do things in the flesh. Well, it looks like God isn't doing what he needs to do. I'm going to take matters in my own hand and take care of it myself. And instead of trusting him, for instance, for financial provision, we run up a tab on the credit card. Or when we're dealing with a situation where someone who is wicked, who is unrighteous and getting away with it. It's easy for us to take matters into our own hands, to take, be angry and wrathful. And the word says, no, don't run ahead of God. Wait upon the Lord. Wait upon him. In other words, wait for God. Wait for his timing. I know that seems frustrating, but I want you to understand this is something that's part of God's prescription to us when life isn't fair. Now, let's go back to verse 4. And many Christians know um, Psalm 37, verse 4. Some even have it, uh, you know, uh, crocheted in a picture on their wall, whatever. Uh, But they don't understand the context of Psalm 37, verse 4, which says this, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. One of the things that's striking about Psalm 37 is how clearly and distinctly and specifically God is speaking to us. When we are struggling with the way the wicked are getting away with things, and we may even be suffering even though we're walking the righteous path, it is very easy for us to be angry, to be frustrated, again, to take matters into our own hands. And so on the one hand, God is saying, look, do not fret. But God is not only saying, don't do this. And, uh, you know, when we take matters into our own hands by the flesh, oh man, it messes things up. And then we're in a worse situation than where we started. 
So God is warning us in the one hand about that. He's also giving us a clear vision of the reality of what happens to the wicked. And God speaks positive things to us. For instance, here in verse 4, where it says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Now, how can a person who's frustrated, who's fretting, who's even angry get themselves in a situation where they're delighting in anything? But here it says to delight yourself in the Lord. You know, I just had a picture that came to my mind. Think of your favorite treat, you know, like ice cream or whatever. And that's a treat. You look forward to it. You can hardly wait to sink your teeth into it. Well, that's the same idea here. It doesn't just say, have a positive attitude about God. It says, delight yourself also in the Lord. There is a place in the presence of the Lord that transforms us from a situation of being frustrated, even being angry, to a place of delight with God. And those of us who are familiar with being in the presence of the Lord can understand that. We can be in any kind of an awful state in our lives, but when we find that secret place with the Lord in his mighty, wonderful, sweet delightful presence. It changes everything. And that's the idea here. Delight yourself in the Lord, in his presence, where he is. I'm thinking of George Mueller, that great man of God from the 1800s who ran the orphanages in England. And, um, Nobody paid a penny for that. There, nobody paid a bill, if you will, for the children to be taken care of. They weren't supported by a government welfare or whatever. They weren't supported by a grant. And he never asked anybody for a dime, and yet God faithfully supported that work. And there were thousands of orphans that were given homes and taken care of. Not only that, but he also supported uh, many Christian schools that he had established, and he supported missionaries out in the field as well. You go, how in the world could that happen? I mean, you know, there are many of us who are taking care of a household of a few children, not thousands. And that can be quite a challenge. And we might be wondering how we're going to take care of, you know, this bill or You know, Lord, what about this next meal? He was dealing with that all the time. But George Mueller was a man of living in God's word and living in God's presence. And at the beginning of the day, George Mueller noted in his journal, he said this, that he made it his business every single day to get his heart happy in the Lord. Let me say that again. Every single day, he made it his business to get his heart happy in the presence of the Lord. And I'm going to say something. Dear friend, that's a good time to be doing it. At the beginning of your day, before all of those frustrations and worries and difficulties and challenges come packing down the road your way, I start my day that way. Frankly, I can't imagine life without that. People say, well, you know, I do it later on in the day or I do it in the middle of the day as if it's some sort of a thing. I'm telling you, look, if someone like a George Mueller who had such heavy responsibilities, way more than I ever did, if he made it his business to get his heart happy in the Lord at the beginning of the day, then I think you and I could do the same. What about the Lord Jesus? He did the same thing. It says in the scripture in several places that before the day broke, Jesus was found to be praying. He was, I believe, delighting in the presence of his Father God. Delight yourself also in the Lord. And look at this. He shall give you the desires of your heart. You see, when we're delighting ourselves in worldly kinds of things, invariably our hearts kind of get tied to those things. But you realize those things don't have lasting value. Those things are really not pleasing and fulfilling to us. Oh, but the Lord is. And when we delight ourselves 
And again, I want to underline that word, delight, like you're enjoying your favorite treat. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Well, I need to uh, move on to verse 5. It says this, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him. Now, you realize what this word commit means. It doesn't mean commitment, as I'm making a commitment to you. Rather, it's this idea of a person entrusting something into the care of someone else. I am committing this matter over to you, God. I am not taking control of it. I'm not clutching hold of what I think needs to be done. Let me say something right now. What we think needs to be done righteously might actually be correct. But the problem many times isn't the what of what needs to be done, but how we go about doing it. And more importantly, are we doing it by the Spirit or are we doing it by the flesh? Are we using our human ingenuity and human ability and human whatever? Or are we, like a little child, relying upon him? Commit your way to the Lord. You know, at the beginning of the day, that's a really good thing. Here we go, beginning of the day again. Before I start my workday, I take that workday and I commit it to the Lord. And I say, Lord, I want to hand you this workday. And I trust you and ask you for the wisdom for uh, to be able to do good work, to be able to be a blessing and prosper my employer. I mean, that's why they hired you in the first place, right? <laughs> to prosper them and what they're trying to do. And I really take the time at the beginning of the day to do that, to commit my way, my work, the affairs of the coming day into his hands and into his care. Watch what the second part of verse 5 says. It says, trust also in him. Now you realize that the word trust is one of four important words in the Bible, words of faith, right? We know faith. Faith is when we, uh, let me back up one notch. There's a difference between believing, faith, trust, and hope. Believe, faith, trust, and hope. Those are all the four different words that are used uh, to express the matter of faith. And they're all unique in their facet in their angle in this larger concept of faith. First, there is believe. And believe is when you're presented with the facts and you say, all right, this is true. I believe it is true. That's belief. But then there is faith. Faith takes what we have believed in and puts full dependence upon that. Let me say that again. Faith takes hold of what we believe in, informed by the Word of God. I want to make that very important distinction, because you don't want the world's kind of believe, right? Believe. Believe what? <laughs> no, believe the Word. Believe what God says, point number one. Point number two is we take what God has said, and we believe it so. It's true. We've made the decision and said, God, you're not a man that you should lie. This is your truth. And now we are counting on it. We're depending upon that truth. That's what faith is. Faith is belief and action. Word number three is the word trust. It's what comes up here in this verse five. Trust. Trust is a relational word, and it has the idea of trusting a person, that that person is faithful, that they're reliable, that they are a person who will do as they say. Trust in a person happens, whether it's God or, you know, a human being. Trust occurs when we are given information, factual information about that person and their reliability, their faithfulness. And so trust in God has its foundation in God's faithfulness, in God's truthfulness. 
that he is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? That's in Numbers 23, verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie. And when we wrap our hearts and our minds around that truth, trust in the Lord begins to soar. Trust in the Lord. The fourth word of faith is hope. And hope is faith in a future direction. It is belief and trust and faith that the God of today will be the God that he promises to be in my tomorrow. It entrusts God with my tomorrow. So there's the four words of faith. I, I hadn't planned on saying that, but you know sometimes we bring up these words and we kind of muddle them together, but there is some differences. In Psalm 37 verse 5, it says, trust also in him, and look at what verse 5c says, and he shall bring it to pass. Now, I want you to note that. He will bring it to pass. God is the one who will do it. Not you or me, fretting over things, taking matters into our own hands. Oh, no, 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 no. Remember what happened to Israel at Mount Sinai? Moses was up on the mountain with God for a long time, 40 days and 40 nights. And after a while, they began to think, what happened to this dude, Moses? He's, I don't know, he's up there on the mountain. What's he doing? Oh, I'm not sure. And you know, there were things, there was millions of people to be taken care of. There's stuff they had to do. Yet God was active. God was giving his servant Moses, the leader of these people, the plans for the tabernacle, as well as precise instructions about the gifts and offerings made to the Lord. There was important things that God was laying out for Moses that would be critical for the leadership of Israel. Meantime, we read in Exodus chapter 32, verse 21, it says this, Now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and asked him and said, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know whatever became of him. Do you see that? They're so fleshly. They're just looking at things in the natural. They're just assessing the situation with their human eyes, their human ears, their human understanding, their human knowledge. That is flesh. That is walking and living by the flesh. My friend, whenever I have done it, I have messed things up. Whenever you do that, you mess things up as well. And that's what they did. And they took matters into their own hands. They turned to the devil and his ways, his idolatry. You know the rest of the story, the golden calf. That's what happens to us when we are not patient with God and his timing. There are times when it's like, God, where are you? What's going on? I've been waiting for you. Some of you have been waiting a long time. But let me say this from the authority of the word of God. Do not take matters into your own hands. Oh, I need to hear that. Well, then what should we do? My dear friend, trust in the Lord. That's what it says here in Psalm 37. And do good. You'll notice what it also says here. And he shall bring it to pass. You know, in the previous verses, it said that we trust in the Lord and we do good and we dwell in the land, not as foreigners, But if people who are at home in the land, we, in Psalm 37, it says, feed on his faithfulness. Verse 4 says to, we delight ourselves also in the Lord. We commit the idea of rolling off everything onto his capable shoulders, and we trust in him. And it says, and he shall bring it to pass. Well, what will he bring to pass? Look at verse 6. 
He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light. And your justice as the noonday. Now, there's a very vivid picture that's here. Do you notice the allusion to light and noonday? You know, when it's noonday, the sun is at its peak for the day, right? It's at its brightest point throughout the day. And this is the idea of our righteousness. You may be dealing with a situation, dear friend, where you are biblically in the right. Sometimes, you know, we do we, we face negative consequences, and it's because we've messed up. We have not done what's right. We've even taken, like I said, matters into our own hands, and it makes a mess. But let's say you've been doing the right thing. Let's say you've been doing the right thing, and it's cost you. It says this, He, God, shall bring forth your righteousness as the light. Now, the light and the noonday sun are very obvious to all. But when we're in that space, when the wicked are getting away with it, the wicked seem to be the ones who have all the spotlights and all the media attention. You know, they're getting all the interviews and all the Twitter and all the Facebook and all this junk. Can you believe in our society today, American society, how they're deliberately cutting off Christian and conservative voices from YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Ah, we don't need them. We've got the Lord. He is the one who can bring forth our righteousness as the light and our justice as the noonday. Again, if we wait upon the Lord, as we give way to him, he is the king, he is the Lord, as we delight ourselves in the Lord and experience him giving us the desires of our heart, he is the one, again, verse 5c, who brings it to pass. He brings to pass, verse 6, our righteousness as the light and our justice as the noonday. Look at verse 7. See how clear these words are? Very directive, very clear. Verse 7 says this, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. My dear friend, look, this is not the first time your situation, whatever it is, if it's your situation or a larger national problem, where the wicked have for a while gotten away with murder, have gotten away with their sin, gotten away with their wickedness to the point where you're thinking, is there still a God on the throne? Oh, yes, there is. And God says, rest in the Lord. When you're weary, and when you've gone, especially through a situation of unfairness, it can wear you down. It can cause you to be weary. You need rest. And that rest is found in the presence of the Lord. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Look, God isn't just simply saying, you know, rest, relax, whatever, take some time off. No. It says rest in the Lord. And the Lord here is all caps, L-O-R-D. We mentioned this last time. That is the Hebrew name of God that means I am that I am. God first revealed that name to his servant Moses when God was taking him uh, from the deserts of uh, Moab and dispatching him back to confront the strongest king on earth and deliver over two million people. Yeah, that God and that Moses, it's the same I am God. And that's what's spoken of here. Rest in the I am. Rest in the great I am. Wait patiently for him. God is not slumbering. He isn't sleeping. He isn't hitting the snooze button on his alarm clock. He's not busy watching TV. No, he's active. He's moving. Listen, friend, there are many things that we cannot see. We have a very limited, stunted view. Dear friend, you don't even know what's going on two inches behind your head. 
let alone two miles or two light years behind your head. So why do we think that we've got it, right? We understand what this thing is all about. One of the frustrating things that can happen during a crisis or a difficulty or problems like we're dealing with right now in this current time when I'm recording in December of 2020, is that we can run to all of these different news stations and, you know, gurus and experts and so forth. Oh, come on. Turn to the Lord. Find what he has to say in his word. God is speaking. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Here it is again. Do not fret. Do not allow yourself to be eaten up with frustration and anger because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. You know, God is a realist here. He sees the situation. He sees the now, and he sees where it seems that this person is getting away with it. Well, they're kind of getting away with it now, but they are not getting away with it down the road. Oh, no. God is the judge. God is the one who is on his throne. And no one, no one, no one gets away with it. Justice will come. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Verse 8, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Hey, God, like I said, Psalm 37, God's speaking very clearly, very loudly to us. God is saying, stop it. Cease this anger. Cease. Stop. Friend, have a ceasefire on your fire. (laughs) Cease from anger and forsake wrath. You realize what wrath is? Wrath is the full extent of anger. God is really the only one who has the ultimate right of wrath and anger and justice. When God is angry, and he does get angry, we see that all over the Bible, and yes, God is a God of wrath, it is not because he's annoyed and irritated and having a temper tantrum. Oh, no, 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 no. God is the God of truth. He is the God of justice. He is the God of all that is good. And when evil happens... In his created order, it's bad. And God will deal with it. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Here it is again. Do not fret. It only causes harm. How many times so far? You know, we've only been through eight verses. Do not fret has come up, what, three, four times? I think God's saying something, isn't he? Don't let this stuff eat at you. Dear friend, I've had to shut off the news or the YouTube experts or whatever, and I've had to really dig into the Word of God. And me teaching you this today is helping me. God is speaking to me through the clarity of His Word, through the very specific instructions of His Word. You see, when we are involved in human anger, human wrath, and fretting, allowing something to eat us up, it only causes harm. That's what the word says in Psalm 37, verse 8. And the first person that gets harmed is you or me. We think that our anger and our wrath and our fretting is hurting that other person. No, no, no. It it hurts us and messes us up big time. And yes, it messes up other things. It messes up relationships. It messes up people. And it interferes. Listen to me. It interferes with what God is trying to do. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Now, I know When we hear these words, we go, no, wait a minute. God wrong is wrong, and they're getting away with it. Listen to what God says in verse 9. For evildoers shall be cut off. That goes back to what we read last week, right? Where it says in verse 2, For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Cut off. So someone is 
there, that wicked person is getting away with their wicked deeds, with their sinfulness, with their plots, with their schemes, and in a moment, they're cut off. Just like that. That's what God says in his word. Verse 9, for evildoers shall be cut off. They shall be cut off. And that will be the end of it. Listen to the second part of verse 9. But those who wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. (laughs) Oh, wow, that's really good. You know, it looks like the unrighteous are taking over everything, right? They've taken over the media. They've taken over the government. They've taken over education. They've taken over social media. They've taken over YouTube. They've taken over this and that. It can seem from our perspective in the here and now like the wicked are getting away with it and they're taking over. No, God says, no, 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 no. Evildoers shall be cut off. But those who wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Wow. <laughs> oh, this is so good. Look at verse, oh, this is, this is really good. I'm letting it soak in. Man, I need to hear this. Verse 10, for yet a little while, a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you shall look carefully for his place. Where'd he go? Man, they were real big. Wow. But it shall be no more. Let verse 10 soak in. Let me say it again. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. Now, I know some of you are saying, yes, that's true, Mark. There is coming the day of judgment, and nobody will get away before the bar of justice of God. You're absolutely right. But I believe that God is speaking to justice that he carries out in time as well before the great day of his judgment. If you're familiar with history at all, you can think of despots and horrible dictators and rulers and nefarious individuals, and for a space of time, they seem to prosper and do really well. And then, gone, just like that. Adolf Hitler, the most feared man on earth during World War II, and in Munich, he's being bombed to death in a bunker, like a a mole, you know, like the way you exterminate vermin. There have been people throughout the passages of time, evil men who have done evil things and gotten away with it for a particular time, and the people of God cried out, and then Suddenly, they're cut off. Suddenly, Hitler was gone. He was out of the picture, and he has been out of the picture ever since. That is our God. You could you see this through biblical history. You see this through world history over and over again. What kind of a threat is Genghis Khan? He's not around. He's gone. Cut off. I mean, there's just nobody. What about Joseph Stalin? Gone. There is that period of time. But verse 10 says, For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. Verse 11, But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Hallelujah. Oh, my, oh, my, oh, my. The meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Oh, the rich generosity of God. We're in a situation in the now where it seems like the wicked are getting away with it and we're suffering. And this really comes out a lot in Psalm 73 in a very visceral way, a very emotional way. I encourage you to read that. We're going to get into that as the flip side of 
God's prescription when life isn't fair. Is this helping you out, friend? It's helping me out. It's giving me an eternal perspective. It's helping me to see God. It's getting my heart happy in the Lord, and I'm delighting in the Lord. Yes, even in the middle of difficulty, even before your enemies, God can bring delight. What do the psalmists say in Psalm 23? You prepare for me a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And the idea of the table is a banqueting table. In other words, the psalmist in Psalm 23 says, you prepare for me a banqueting feast right in the presence of my enemies. That is our God. Remember what happened to Israel before the Red Sea. They were up against the Red Sea. They were hemmed in, no way to go. Pharaoh's armies, the strongest king on earth, the strongest army and weaponry on earth was bearing down on them. And you can just see the picture in your mind, can't you? They're hemmed in. There's no way out. People are saying, now look what you've done. They're crying out. And even Moses cries out to the Lord. And the Lord speaks to him and says in a very powerful way, be still and know that I am God. That is exactly the same kind of thing that God is saying right here in Psalm 37. He is saying, be still and know that I am God. Well, we'll pick it up starting at uh, verse 12 in our wonderful prescription from God when life isn't fair. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, I thank you that you can prepare a banqueting table right before our enemies. Father, I thank you that you are the God that can turn things around. I think of what happened at the time of Esther, Lord, in Persia, when there was the evil man, Haman, who had plotted against the people of God, even plotted and conspired with the king to create an edict that would bring about the extermination of all the Jews. And Lord, how it seemed in that moment in time that Haman was getting away with it and the people of God were going to die. But Father, you had already had your plan in place. You had your people in place. You had a man named Mordecai who was a godly man who was being persecuted. And then his young relative, Esther, in his charge, and how you raised up that woman of God for such a time as that. And Lord, through your great power, through your great providence, through your wonderful goodness, you flipped the table and the gallows that Haman had made to hang her uncle were the gallows from which he swung and died. Oh, we just thank you, Lord. And uh, Lord, the edict that came from the king that said, I uh, now bring about another decree that if anybody goes after the Jewish people to kill them, they will be killed. And you spared your people, Lord. You spared your people, and we rejoice. We see that over and over again in the word. And Father, we thank you that you are the God of justice. You are the God of righteousness. And so, Lord, we We don't want to run ahead of you. We wait upon you. We put our trust in you. We put our delight in you. And Father, I just thank you so much that as we do that, you bring it to pass. As we trust in you, Lord, you cause our righteousness to shine as the light and our justice to shine as the noonday sun. Father, thank you that we can rest in you and wait patiently for you. And Father, that we don't have to fret when we see the wicked getting away with it. We can put our faith and our reliance upon you. Father, continue your speaking by your word, your ministry by the Spirit. Father, I pray that many more people would hear about this 
word of hope in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, friend, that's true. There's a lot of people that are desperately, they want answers. They don't know what is going on. This is crazy. It seems like they're getting away with it. No. No, no, no. Maybe for the moment they might be, but not for long. People need to hear this eternal perspective. People need this prescription from God when life isn't fair. And dear friend, please spread the word. Let other people know about the Daily in Christ podcast and also let them know about this current series that we are bringing, God's Prescription When Life Isn't Fair. Let me also remind you that we have the Daily in Christ website. It's sort of the beginning of it all, and you can find it at dailyinchrist.org. Some of you are already listening to this teaching on the website. You may not be aware that it's also available on major podcasting platforms. Some of you may not even know what podcasting is. Well, guess what? On our website, we have an explanatory article that uh, talks about what podcasting is and how to get the Daily in Christ podcast. All you have to do, in fact, I'm going to do it right now, is go to the website, dailyinchrist.org. Once you're there at the top, there's a menu that says podcast. Just click on that, and then it brings up uh, an item that says how to listen to the Daily in Christ podcast on your mobile device. Click on that, and that takes you to a page that explains everything talks about what's a podcast, how does it work, how to subscribe, whether you're on Android, iPhone, or other podcast platforms. That's at dailyinchrist.org. That's dailyinchrist.org. I'm Mark Van Oos, your Bible teacher here on the Daily in Christ podcast, reminding you once again of what it says in Psalm 34, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him.